Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Jorma Kalkin from Jefferson Airplane and Hot Tuna, and you are listening to Rock and Roll Archaeology. History in Five Songs with host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good folks at Pantheon. Pleased, as always, to be part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, uh, available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. Okay, so this episode's something I've always wanted to do. I I have written an article for Goldmine about this, um, but I kind of looked online. I couldn't find it anywhere. I've done one of these on the 20 albums that invented uh, hair metal, punk, and I think I've done this one, Grunge, but I can't find the article anywhere. But would have been nice to have his notes, but um, this will give uh, possibly a slightly different contour to that. But, uh, you know, my thoughts are my thoughts. And uh, and so uh, so let's go through this. I mean, basically, what we're going to do here is uh, something I'm going to call the roots of grunge. I may do an episode eventually about the birth of grunge. Uh, it's something I've been stewing over. You know, what were the earliest uh, grunge items? And I'm going to argue uh, why those might have to be EP or album tracks versus compilation tracks. Don't want to give too much away there, um, but. No, this is about the roots of grunge, and it's something that always fascinated me because grunge is a very complicated music with uh, with complicated roots. I mean, it's music basically made by musicologists and music snobs. So these are people who really knew their music. Um, so it is a is it is a varied bunch of stuff that goes into the making of this great music that came out of Seattle, starting pretty much around 1988 and ramping up and hitting its apex with uh, the Nirvana album and, uh, you know, points afterwards. Um, of course, there's the shocking death of Kurt. Uh, there's the breakup of Soundgarden. I mean, these are the things that I frame as uh, 
uh, it, sort of the grunge era, 88 through about 95, 97 at the very latest sort of thing. But this is about the roots. Um, so let's, uh, you know, we're going to touch down on all the concepts as we go through these songs. As usual, these songs are kind of representing something. Um, they're representing other songs, other bands, and uh, that's the way I'm going to discuss this. So without further ado, let's play some music to get this thing kicked off. This is the oldest thing in our uh, in our history in five songs with Martin Popoff the Roots of Grunge episode. Take a listen to this. This is Black Sabbath with a National Acrobat. All right, so why Black Sabbath? I mean, Black Sabbath is very important in the roots of grunge because grunge, to me, I've always maintained grunge is is a heavy metal genre. It's a type of heavy metal. It's that sort of thing where, you know, it came after hair metal because of this idea that hair metal was sound. You know, there are so many things about it that were not heavy metal anymore. Uh, and grunge comes along, and you know, super heavy metal fans are thinking. There's certain things about this that sound heavier and more dangerous uh, than than hair metal. So Black Sabbath kind of fits in this whole thing about the uh, the doominess and the sludginess that you got out of grunge. So Black Sabbath is a big influence on bands like um, Alice in Chains and Soundgarden, um, but also the Melvins, who are almost considered a quasi-stoner rock doom band. And, you know, there's certain things in Nirvana that sound pretty Sabbathy as well. Um, not so much Pearl Jam. Um, Tad, certainly, uh, they're in there. Um, but Black Sabbath, I wanted to pick for two reasons. Uh, so it is this doominess and sludginess, but also a slight progressiveness. I picked something from the album that a lot of people consider the progressive rock Black Sabbath album, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath, 1973. Um, and, you know, it's a little psychedelic. It's a little druggy. It's a little sludgy. You know, I wanted to pick something slow to represent, I guess, more so that, uh, that Soundgarden, Alice in Chains vibe. But I also wanted to pick it to represent classic rock. But without saying more about that, let's move into our next one that I really picked to represent classic rock. So this is our second track in History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. This is Aerosmith with Draw the Line. All right, so um, the idea here is that I really wanted something that represented classic rock in a big way because the big thing with these grunge guys and people, you know, uh, us metal fans used to sneer about uh, this 
with these grunge guys is that they kind of force, forsook, forsaken their metal roots, their classic rock roots. You know, certainly it, it comes from this, this hatred of this thing that they replaced, this hair metal thing, which has even more roots to a band like Aerosmith. But I wanted them in here because... These guys, you know, if they went with their heart, what they really liked rather than what the interviewer wanted to hear, which was, you know, some some more snobby musicologist answer as to their influences, they would go with things like Aerosmith, Kiss, the the band who was from there, Heart, um, Blue Oyster Cult, probably Boston. Um, you know, later on, they would let out things like Fleetwood Mac and Eagles and stuff like that. Like, they were really into classic rock, but they were definitely, you know, like all of us of a certain vintage, they were right there loving this heavy stuff that was coming out at the time. And Aerosmith is a perfect pick there. And even Ted Nugent. I mean, Ted Nugent is even more persona non grata because of his politics and the gun stuff, etc., supporting Trump. Um, but, uh, you know, actually, you know, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking back to the grunge era. Ted was not so much a persona non grata, but no, Ted would not get mentioned. Aerosmith not would not get mentioned. Certainly, Kiss. I mean, a lot of these guys were big Kiss fans. Look at what the Melvins did with uh, with that Kiss tribute thing they did with the uh, with the covers of the um, you know the solo albums. Um, but Aerosmith is a cool one because I wanted something in here that represented the grooviness and the slight stadium rock aspect of some of this early grunge stuff, certainly Mother Love Bone. Uh, you hear it a little bit in Green River. You don't really hear it in, in Pearl Jam, but you, but you, there's, there's kind of an Aerosmith epic stadium vibe to Pearl Jam as well, I would imagine. Um, so I wanted to pick something that was not, you know, I could have actually gone with grungy Aerosmith, something like Nobody's Fault or Round and Round, but I wanted to pick something that represented that groovy aspect. Plus, uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe you you guys know this about me, but I've often said Draw the Line is the greatest song of all time by anybody across the universe. I love that it's it's complicated, it's epic, but it's not super long. It's just so catchy and groovy. Um, I think it's, it's possibly the greatest song of all time. So that's the other reason I wanted to... Uh, to put Aerosmith Draw the Line in here. Um, okay, let's take a break, and uh, we shall be right back. When we dropped the first few episodes of Rock and Roll Archaeology into the feed three and a half years ago, little did we know that this telling of rock and roll history would become a pantheon of rock and roll podcasts. Since many of you first joined us on our rock and roll exploration, the halls of the rock and roll pantheon have filled with shows like Deeper Digs in Rock, Rock and Roll Librarian, Muses, Art of Rock with Caution Friends, Real Rock with the Reverend Andy King, Miss Pamela's Pajama Party, Vinyl Snob, and more. We are proud of this one-of-a-kind approach to an audio magazine of high-quality shows. That is Pantheon, and thank you for your support. We couldn't have done it without you, our diggers who listen to all of our shows. And now, we are excited to let you know that every show available as part of Pantheon can be found in their own podcast feed to subscribe to in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the shows you've come to love. We look forward to adding more shows to fill the halls here in our Pantheon of Rock and Roll and find them all at PantheonPodcast.com. Keep up the rocking. All right, so 
back here again on History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. This is an episode we're calling The Roots of Grunge. Okay, so here's a, here's a real obvious one. Let's take a listen. This is Iggy and the Stooges with Death Trip. Okay, so we're back to 1973 with this one. Um, You know, Iggy and the Stooges are essentially the most proto-grunge band you could possibly have. I mean, Iggy Pop is like reincarnated into Mark Arm later on. You know, super important guy, first through Green River and then into Mud Honey. Guy worked at Sub Pop. Um, So, uh, you know, you really get this snarling, sneering, Dennis the Menace bedheaded uh, sort of vocal out of Iggy, and you definitely get that out of Mark Arm. You get that a little bit out of Kurt Cobain. so yeah, there's there's a whole you know the the bare-chested look, the uh, you know the the um, iconic photography is kind of picked up uh, through the Charles Peterson photography things. The the lion on the ground, you know, it's it's basically the the through line is is Jim Morrison through Iggy Pop through Steve Bader's from Dead from the Dead Boys through to Chris Cornell uh, in terms of these visuals, I imagine. Um, but no, what you get with, uh, and I love Death Trip, what a cool song. Uh, I, I find this is probably, like I say, the most proto-grunge album there ever was, even more proto-grunge than any punk album, um, and more proto-grunge than, uh, you know, the Stooges' first album, 1969, and the Stooges' second album, Funhouse, 1970. Uh, you know, this is also picked to represent the likes of um, the likes of MC5 that you all Always put in here as well. You know, MC5, I, I don't consider all that proto-grunge and, and even all that much of a roots or influential thing. It's it's frankly before the time of, of a lot of these guys that would be, you know, of the right age to be making music in 87, 88. Um, so I think MC5 gets a little overstated. Probably Iggy even gets more overstated. And frankly, like I say, I mean, the most... The most obvious and the most true answer to all this, if you go with your heart rather than your head, is probably Aerosmith Kiss and Ted Nugent, isn't it? Um, Okay, so moving on, uh, number four in our History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, The Roots of Grunge. This is a bit of an odd case, but I'm going to argue it here for you. Uh, Take a listen. This is The Cult with Phoenix. Okay, so I wanted to pick something from the cult uh, because I really do feel that the cult were almost like the first heavy alternative band, and grunge is kind of the first heavy alternative genre, I imagine. And then there were other, you know, sub splinters or off to the side things later. But the cult, one of the cool things about the cult is that they mixed heavy metal, stadium rock, and alternative, uh, namely post-punk, not not so much punk rock. But what you hear in this song, you know, I, I really, you know, I'm picking something here from, from 1985. 
from from the Love album, and that is a total grunge song, isn't it, folks? I mean, it is it is grunge. Phoenix is a grunge song, and there's a lot of grungy stuff across here. But the other reason I wanted to pick the cult is to represent this idea of, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of pure punk rock roots uh, roots to grunge as well. But I like the idea of post punk being one of the big things. Echo and the Bunnymen, the teardrops, uh, the teardrop explodes, the cure, um, magazine, maybe not so much joy division, maybe not so much, but, but this idea, there's these bands that, uh, that have this open architecture dissonance, um, space for bass guitar. And you hear that in early Soundgarden a lot. Um, probably more so in early Soundgarden. You maybe even hear that sort of wide open, uh, space for the instruments in a band like Pearl Jam. But uh, so I like the cult in here. This is before they go through that ACDC Zeppelin-esque phase and become, you know, almost more more part of a hair metal story for a little while there. Um, but I, I do like this idea of a band early on. Now, this is 1985. This is when grunge is just slowly, slowly. You're starting to see things through through some of the Seattle punk scene, through some of the compilations. Um uh, cruise records, I think is, uh, is maybe on the scene yet coming up. Jack and Dino is really important. When I do, when I do the birth of grunge episode, I want to put some Jack and Dino in there. Uh, cause he's, uh, he's in very early with skin yard and whatnot, um, bringing this thing to light. But 1985 is really pre grunge. Uh, I would say in, in pretty much every way. Uh, another band that I wanted the cult in here to represent is a band like Killing Joke. I mean, Killing Joke is, uh, tribal, a lot of bass guitar. We know Metallica covered Killing Joke. Um, but, uh, that's another band that has a real, uh, you know, Soundgarden has kind of, kind of quite often a, a tribal vibe where they'll use a lot of tom-toms and stuff. Um, but yeah, so this whole heavy post-punk scene, cause post-punk, did a lot of weird things, and a lot of it wasn't very heavy. But um, Cult is is probably our best example of like a like a guitar slung low, Billy Duffy, stadium rock, heavy, but still a post punk band, a thinking man's band, crossing genres. So that's why I think they they kind of make a lot of sense in here. Okay, so. Uh, our last one in our History in Five Songs, The Roots of Grunge. Um, this is 1988, so it is kind of right in there, but there's a lot to talk about here. Let's take a listen. First of all, this is Soul Asylum with Down On Up To Me. Okay, this Minneapolis scene, I loved this stuff when it came out at the time, and really, it is uh, it is the nascent. It doesn't get enough credit uh, for being um, like a real hotbed of the birth of uh, the birth of grunge. Even though it's Minneapolis, it's not Seattle. But you know, they had twin tone records. You could look at the analogy between twin tone and sub pop. Some of their bands were on SST. That's the other great post-punk American pre-grunge record label out of California. So Soul Asylum is in here. I wanted, okay, first of all, I wanted to play this song because 
To me, this album, the earlier albums were a little bit closer to that loose vibe of the replacements, but they're still heavy and a little bit proggy, a little bit riffy, a little bit complicated, but down on up to me on Hang Time. Hang Time's my favorite album of theirs. I find it the most professional album, best recorded, uh, and more most complicated. And I wanted to pick a song, this is the first song on the album, that is a little complicated. And... Um, Again, I listen to this and I hear in Dave Pirner's vocals um, a grunginess. We obviously know he looked like a total grunge guy. The band was quite grungy looking, like just dressed down, messy hair. Um, but also there's a riffiness here. There's a complication. It basically sounds to me like a Soundgarden song. Um, and a lot of the album is is a little bit like that. It could be a little uh, a little Soundgarden-y, a little Nirvana. I mean, I listened to the earlier stuff. It reminds me more of Nirvana. You know, don't forget, this is like their, um, depending on how you count, I don't know, third, fourth, fifth album sort of thing. There's some EPs and live stuff in there and split stuff. But um, So this is kind of mid-career for them. Uh, but it is kind of the birth year of grunge 87 88 so we are really right you know pushing right up against that but let's not forget we had the replacements all that time too and they're kind of a grungy outfit i mean i don't consider um the, their sound is a little bit more roots rock mixed with punk so it's it's kind of going away from that grungy thing grunge was not roots rock in any way um the replacements were a little bit roots rock but you also had husker do now husker do isn't on twin tone they're on sst but husker do is a big big pre-grunge type band as well with that straight straight ahead buzzsaw post-punk rock thing i mean they are probably that the closest analogy there would be to something like um fast melvins or or early nirvana uh, i imagine and then also you know not from the minneapolis scene but also on sst is meat puppets that's another band that i feel fits into this whole thing meat puppets Minutemen, Black Flag. I mean, that's a whole California thing. I could have picked something from Black Flag as well. Um, but to me, yeah, there's these there's these odd ties, these odd tentacle ties between that SST uh, scene and label in California and this Minneapolis stuff that's happening. But of all these bands, um, I feel Soul Asylum sounded the closest to a grunge band. And uh, and they have, like I say, a big history even before this Hang Time album from 1988. Um, so there you have it. I mean, I again, I I could have. We are at the end, but as usual, you know, I do mention some things that I that I kind of missed that I wanted to put in here. You know, definitely, I feel that um, a big chunk of this because again, in interviews, remember, you know, there was a lot of debate about how these guys. Uh, when they were talking about their influences, they would forsake their true roots, which I truly believe is the heavy classic rock of the mid to late 70s. But they would always mention, and true enough, this is also a true answer. They're not lying about this. But true enough, you know, you got to stick in there. Dead Boys, Sex Pistols, The Clash, the heavy punk stuff, The Saints. Um but uh, but yeah, I mean the, the classic rock stuff. I mean, just I'm just remembering now. Nirvana actually covered Toys in the Attic, and of course, you know when these bands cover these classic things, they do a worse version of it than the original. Toys in the Attic, the original Toys in the Attic is way better than the Nirvana Toys in the Attic. Um, but there are covers along the way. Uh, Mud Honey is covering Dead Boys, of course. Um, what else is going on here? Um, you know, when again, I, I wanted to mention. I mean, when I think think of uh, the transition from Green River into Mud Honey. 
that first Mud Honey EP and album, and subsequently, I mean, those guys are basically not just Mark Arm, the reincarnation of Iggy. I mean, those guys are the reincarnation of the Stooges. So that's why that one uh, is important there as well. Um, so I, I think we've kind of covered it. I mean, essentially, um, that heavy stuff from the very end of the 60s with MC5 a little bit, but really Black Sabbath, the likes of Black Sabbath, super important. The American experience is always more stressed in this because grunge is a pretty pretty darn American thing in, in a lot of ways, not just by being from Seattle, but all of those American bands, like I say, from the 70s, you've got punk, you've got post-punk, and then you've got just the immediate stuff that is really lighting the spark and giving them the idea. And there is the Minneapolis stuff, the cult, maybe even early on, things like Faith No More, Jane's Addiction. These are things just, just adjacent, uh, you know, right before this thing um, sort of takes off. So there you have it. Um, that is the roots of grunge as I see it, uh, you know, stuck into our challenging idea of having to prove this in five songs. Um, please join up on our Facebook page, History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. It's a, it's a pretty thriving, chatty community. In fact, I honestly think, guys, I mean, I, I love talking to you guys on that that thing because that's actually taken off more than, uh, you know, my my stuffed full of the 5,000 friends thing, the, the normal page, and I'm like 700 names over that I can't bring in because of Facebook's stupid limit on, um, you know, how many friends you have. So I, I have my public person page, which is kind of dead, and I have my my, my main one, which is which is still the most thriving, but the fact of the matter is... Most of the excitement, most of the action is going on on the History in Five Songs Facebook page. So that, that's what I like uh, hearing your comments. I'll comment back. And, you know, I've mentioned on there, just want to say this because I, I actually got a little time here. Let's, uh, so I, I wanted to mention, I'm, I'm getting a lot of cool suggestions from, from you guys. But um, as I've said privately to some people, it's like, you guys can't read my mind in knowing what I can just speak about off the top of my head. And all these first episodes, I want them to be so real that, that I practically don't even have to make any notes for them. So what I'm saying is a lot of the suggestions you guys are coming up with, it's like, yeah, three and a half of those I can talk about totally fast in my rabid style right off the top of my head. But the other one and a half... I would be faking it and I'd have to do a lot of research and I'd have to read from my notes. So it, it's kind of interesting. Great ideas. And I'm almost there on a bunch of them. Um, but there's certain ones where I go, that's not my area of expertise. I don't think I can do that right now. I mean, later on, we're going to have to we're going to have to dig in and do more research, obviously, uh, to do this. But for now, I'm just loving doing these things that I feel passionate about and be, be able to just riff about uh, off the top of my head. So, yeah. Check it out, uh, the Facebook page. You can email me at martinp at inforamp.net. You can go to my martinpopoff.com where all my books are for sale. The latest ones there are uh, Rainbow. The two Iron Maidens are almost sold out. The two recent Priests are almost sold out. I've got the two top 250 heavy metal songs of the 70s and the 80s. Still got copies of those. And uh, coming out uh, soon is the Merciful Fate one. Um, and I'm working on a Saxon one as well. Um, but yeah, I sign them, ship them all out of the office here. There's PayPal buttons for everything. That is it for now. We shall talk to you uh, next time. Bye for now. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. 
All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.